Here we go. My name's Todd. And my name's Kathy. I forgot to lower the volume. <laughs> Can you tell I'm a little rusty? A little rusty nail? Isn't that a drink called the rusty nail? Sure. Um, welcome to Zen Parenting Radio 2018 style. Um, will you turn your heater off, sweetie? Do I have to? Wah, wah. It's negative <laughs> nine. <laughs> It's minus 15 in Chicago today. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. All right, I'm turning it and off. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding? And always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. And just for kicks, I'm going to say our mission, making the world a more civil and compassionate place by doing work we love with people we care about in a way that is aligned with our values, personality, and way of living. I don't know why I shared that, but I, I like it. To. Well, it's a good reminder, good way to... Step up, step into the year. So Kathy just got home from yoga, and we have 60 minutes to do the show because Jeremy from Avid Company, his guys are here to kind of help us set up our new studio. And I um, politely said, can you guys come back in an hour? You were so nice. 2018 studio, baby. I know. And I bet the show is going to sound so different. Uh, Hopefully not, not because sound quality is pretty good for our podcast. It is, So, but it's just going to be like... In a, it's it's a different space. Yeah. We'll have to adjust to that space too. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, we got to send it some good vibes. I'll I'll burn some sage in there first. Yeah, smudge it. I'm gonna smudge it up. Um, I have some quick takes, Todd's quick takes. Um, but we, I didn't prepare you for this, but you bullet point what we have coming up. Yeah. Do you, do you want do me that? to tell you? We do that in the beginning now. Remember. Yes. Okay, go ahead. But so what I'm saying is, did you write something down of mine or do you want me to tell you what I have? I want you to tell me what you have. Okay. 2018, um, wake up calls. Okay. Wake up calls. calls. And also what it means to figure out the in-between, oh shoot, I just lost my page, of the science of achievement and the art of fulfillment. Oh, that sounds familiar. But actually what I meant was the promotional stuff. Oh, (laughs) sure. (laughs) Sure. We're really rusty. Okay. Here's the things we have coming up. Monday, this upcoming Monday, which is January 8th, 8th we are... Oh, that's the night of the national championship. What national championship? College football. What time is the game? I don't know. I haven't looked at it yet, but I got a feeling there's going to be more non-college football fans in the room Probably. Than, than the other. Well, we're going to be talking about what success means, so yeah. maybe we can talk about what... We'll spin it into the uh, national championship. Yeah, we'll all wear football jerseys, <laughs> and we'll talk about what success means. But really, uh, the class is at uh, Elmhurst uh, Public Library. It starts at 7 o'clock. We'll be done at 8.30. I don't know what time the game is. But it, they usually start late. Like last night's game started at 8.30. Yeah. So. Oh, well, perfect. Yeah. So you could come to our class and then go home and watch the game. And we're going to be talking about what success really means. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, this is focused on everybody. But when we came up with it, I was thinking about how parents sometimes – they're, they make choices in regards to what they say and do with their children focused on, if I do this, then my children will be successful. But they've never even really figured out what success really looks like and right. what it means. So we have that. And then um, obviously we have the conference, uh, March 2nd and 3rd. Ob- you can still get a ticket. Um, of course, you can get a ticket right up to the day of. Um, but uh, it's nice to register now because we if you are a teacher or a um, – Teacher, podcaster, blogger, you can get a discount. So you just email us for that and we'll send it to you. Or if you're a student, right? Or if you're a student. Um, And also my How to Be Brave um, pre-conference workshop is almost sold out again. It was sold out. 
and then we added more seats and it's almost sold out again. So if you wanted to come to that, do that right away. And obviously you can be a send friend to make sure other people can come to the conference. Yep. And we have a bunch of things, but I think I'm going to stop there. Yeah. Uh, because really the most the, the one that's coming up the fastest is Monday. Yes. Okay. And then um, I have my uh, men's retreat. And I'm going to talk about that at the end of the show. Yeah. March 16th through the 18th. We'll just do a little at a time. Here's my, tic- my quick takes. Um, New Year's Eve was two nights ago. Uh-huh. And um, as, uh, as something that Kathy and I tend to do is try to go deep, even in a very non-deep situation. So on New Year's, we were having a little dance party in our living room. Uh-huh. New Year's Eve. Uh, New Year's Eve. And Kathy said to uh, everybody that was there, our good friends were there along with our family, she said, come up with one thing that you want to let go of mm-hmm. from 2017 and one thing in 2018 that you want to bring into or cultivate. Uh-huh. And I think I said something like, I want to worry less and I want to loosen the grip or something like that. And I said, I would like to um, let go of watching the news mm. so much. And, and I don't watch the news, reading so many headlines because it drains my energy and letting go of worry about any, you know, when I get a headache or yeah. whatever. And then that I want to bring in, I don't remember what I said, bring in, mm-hmm. but I want to bring in um, more of me. Well, um, something backfired on me because I've said loosen the grip. That's my, when we were on spring break last year, I uh, challenged my daughters to invite me to loosen the grip because sometimes I'm like, oh, too much technology or that costs too much money or, you know, just the old curmudgeon dad role that I sometimes play. So on my New Year's Eve thing, I said, I want to loosen the grip again. And um, I said, girls, last night, time to go to bed. And Cameron said, dad, do you remember what you wanted to bring into 2018? Mm-hmm. Loosen the grip. Loosen the grip. And I think she just wanted to watch more TV. Well, and I was going to say, you've been, you say that all the time. And on this last um, break over, we were, we drove to Florida as a family. There was one point where Cameron said to me, do you practice loosening the grip like dad does? Because if so, maybe now is a time. And I was like, no, actually I don't. Yeah. Um, that's a dad thing. That's a dad thing. And, and I, we were kind of laughing when we said it, but my point is, is it doesn't loosen the grip. Doesn't mean anything you want you get. And that's my point. I think now <laughs> having said that we did decide you're already asleep. You went yeah. to bed early last yeah. night. Uh, and there was the third quarter of the Alabama Clemson game. Oh yeah. What happened? Uh, I didn't even check the score, but it's 24, six, um, 24 to 7, like midway through the fourth quarter. Okay. So I think Alabama will be playing Georgia. The semifinal with Georgia versus Oklahoma was amazing. Awesome, yeah. But the uh, the second game was kind of a dud. Um, so anyways, so we did end up flipping between the national semifinal game and the fugitive. Uh-huh. So I, I did loosen the grip because I said, girls, you have to go the upstairs. The Harrison Ford fugitive? Yes. Okay. And we ended up uh, watching it for another hour from really? 9.30 to 10.30. So. Huh. I got a feeling Cameron's going to be reminding me to loosen the grip a lot. Yeah. And you know what? You have to you have to continue to discuss what that means. Yeah. Because obviously, like I said, she said it with some humor and so we could laugh about it. But loosen the grip does not mean, oh, I want something and you're saying no, loosen the grip. Right. Because loosen the grip is remind me when I'm not in – I'm not being – really what I believe. Yeah, just relax. Yeah, when you're when I'm being too stressed or, or saying things too negatively too often, just remind me. The reason I brought it up is because our youngest daughter, Skylar, had an amazing <laughs> entry into the what you want to let go of in 2017 and what you want to bring into your life in 2018. 
and we have like this little like three inch stage right about right at our fire at the fireplace. So we had microphones and we were playing music and some the person it was their turn to stand up on the three inch stage and pronounce to the world what it is that they're going to let go of. So Skylar's 2017 <laughs> let go of was that sh- she wants to let go of um, eating three containers of strawberries in five minutes. Correct, because she can do that. She loves strawberries like, I don't know, more than any person I've ever met. And so we're like, okay, that's great. What is it that you want to bring into for 2018? And she said, more strawberries. (laughs) (laughs) And we all just laughed so hard. She didn't even know... (laughs) <laughs> she didn't even like recognize why that was a crazy paradox. I, She's like, I'm going to not eat three things of, of strawberries, strawberries in, five, in minutes. five minutes. And we're like, well, what do you want to bring in? She's like, um, more, more strawberries. strawberries. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's going to be the title of today's podcast, More Strawberries. Um, all right. So that was my first quick take. And um, we had a night in Bowling Green on our way back from Florida into Chicago. Bowling Green, Kentucky. And we stopped at a hotel and we're flipping through the channels and we saw this really good documentary on Steve Bartman called Catching Hell. And Steve Bartman is the the uh, guy who took all this blame, un, uh, took all this unfounded blame for uh, game six of the 2003 National League Championship. So it, Wait, Cubs. Cubs yeah, National yeah. League Championship Series. Because Cubs fans wouldn't know who this is. Right. Or I, non-Cubs fans. I think most of the world, sadly knows who Steve Bartman really? is. Really? Yes, I You do. think non-Cubs fans know who Steve Bartman is? I think most of the world does. Really? That's unfortunate. So, yeah. So if you're in the car or you're listening to this in the kitchen, do you know who Steve Bartman is? And then ask your husband or your wife or your partner if they do it. I have a feeling most people are like, oh, yeah, that's that guy. So anyways, I don't bring that up other, other than the fact that it was an amazing documentary. And I'm so um, – I feel so bad for this man – I guess that's sympathy, huh? Well, it wasn't really just about Steve Bartman. Bill it Buckner was it was about a... Bill Buckner who missed a ball during the Red Sox um, game six in nineteen eighty six World yeah. Series. Yeah. So basically, what the focus of the documentary was was people who become scapegoats for a loss, mm-hmm. and how like at that that game six that Todd's talking about, which Todd happened to be at, and we all watched on TV. Um, there were so many mistakes that were made after that. Right. Okay. Like when and the mistake that was made just for those of you who don't know, is a ball got, a foul ball got hit and Moises Alou uh, tried to jump up and get the ball and all these fans reached for the ball because they thought it was coming toward them. Well, the wind blew at a really bad time. Yeah. So it it looks like Moises Alou could have probably caught it if there wasn't fan interference. Right. Now, here's the problem. We all knew this in the moment that there were many arms up in the air, yes. many fans trying but to catch the ball. Somehow, because this kid was sitting where he was sitting and he was wearing earphones and he had glasses on and he was kind of really easy to identify, he became the target of everybody's anger. Yeah. And it was, and like Todd said, it was, it seemed so unfair because there were so many other people and there were so many other reasons why the Cubs lost that game. Yes. Alex Gonzalez um, did, had his the, air at shortstop. Mark Pryor gave up five hits in a row. And so in that, in that, uh, they lost, they, they got up 
by eight points eight in that runs. inning. So it ended up being eight to three at the end of that inning. So you can't say, oh, this was all because of this one person. Now, what what a lot of people still say is, well, that was where the momentum changed. Correct. Um, because a lot of Cubs fans now, we have since won a World Series, of yeah. course. But a lot of Cubs fans at the time were like, oh, my God, this is cursed. Mm-hmm. Something, you know, something bad's going to happen. And, um, and same with Bill Buckner and the Red Sox. You know, it's really interesting because we could get really deep about self-fulfilling prophecy and how just that if everybody's sitting there thinking something's going to go wrong, then things went wrong. Then not only does a thing go wrong, but they view it through the lens of you caused the curse because they believe there's a curse in the first place. Right. The, the Billy goat curse and all that. And it is, um, it it was the definition of mob mentality. Yeah. And so anyways, it's a fascinating documentary. And the only reason I bring this up is that although I'm a White Sox fan, I I like the Cubs. The Cubs are my second favorite team, as I've explained in the show. But on our way home, I watched the uh, Let's Play 2 documentary on Amazon Prime with Pearl Jam and how they, Eddie Vedder is from Chicagoland area. And it was just an amazing documentary. And it kind of got me excited for baseball again. And I just wanted to say that... um, uh, that it was really, really good. So for anybody who either likes Pearl Jam or the Chicago Cubs, it's a must view. You've been talking about that a lot. Have I? A lot. Oh, I asked Shane. I asked my sister if she's seen it. And you asked Manish and Chris. Did I? And then you were watching it downstairs. Well, I finished it. I didn't I didn't finish it in the car. Yeah. Well, in talking about it a lot isn't a bad thing. Right. But it's obviously in your psyche because it's been coming up a lot. And for the sake of just giving me goosebumps yet again, I pulled up the YouTube clip of when the world, the, the thousands of fans posted outside Wrigley Field at Game 7 as they're winning the World Series in 2016, I guess. And I just want to play it because it just gives me goosebumps. You know you've played it before. I know. Okay. And it's January. I was going to say, we've why is Todd it talking times? about baseball yes. in January? It's confusing. Just because I want to. Okay. Now, that may just sound like white noise to you, but if you watch the YouTube clip, you just see this outpouring of love for their team and each other. And it's funny because the yin and the yang is the the documentary painted the Cubs fans as not so great people, at least a select group. Really? Ag- what do you mean? Against Bartman. Oh, but that was the 2003. That right. Was I'm just talking about ago. Cubs fans or baseball fans in general, how they can, how, how baseball can be a vehicle for both negativity and positivity. Mm-hmm. That's all. Well, and that's the thing is, you know, let's, let's take it off of baseball for a second. And a lot of times what we do is we, we look around and we want to blame somebody. Yep. The feeling is so intense. If it be, you know, a job we didn't get or a, you know, some kind of accident or somebody dropped the ball on something at work or something happened in the family. And because we cannot tolerate the feeling and the disappointment and the anger and the frustration and the sadness, we discharge it by projecting it onto somebody else. And we say, this is the person that caused the problem. Then we don't have to sit and feel it. I mean, we literally, it's like a it's an inability. And and that doesn't mean that there are people that play roles in the disappointment. Right. But the fact, you know, what you're talking about is an extreme version of taking our own disappointment and deciding it's one person's fault. Right. When we all know better than that, 
We right. all know better than that. And, you know, and even if one person did play a role in that moment, and let's say, it, you know, he even said, I apologize for any role I play. Yeah. Like he, he was such a huge fan and he meant to do no harm. Right. There was no intention to do harm. Same with Bill Buckner. Yep. He had been this amazing player and, and he had done so many great things. He's a former Cub, so we all know him here in Chicago too. And he had that one moment and that wasn't the only moment that caused the end of that game. By the way, Bill Buckner, I found out through this documentary, had more hits than Lou Gehrig yes. and Ted Williams. Yes. And like, that gets What an amazing lost. baseball player to have more hits than those two guys. I know. And yet everybody knows about what he did in game six. It's just a sad thing. So what do we take from those two stories? And why did Todd and I find that documentary so interesting? Because it was kind of disappointing and sad for what happened to these guys um, even though they felt bad about whatever role they played, what it is is it's a reminder for us to not do that, yes. <laughs> to not scapegoat people and decide that if this person hadn't done that, then my whole life would be different. Right. That we're talking about baseball with with you know this, but I just found that very universal principle like yep. where I feel like it's us saying the world would be would be better if this group of people didn't exist. Right. The world I would be happier if this group of people didn't move to town. I would it's total scapegoating. Yep. And there are so many reasons why things happen and on top of that, you don't have to live life by thinking things are happening to you. You can actually do different things if this doesn't work out anymore instead of deciding to put all your energy toward blame, <clears throat> you shift what you're doing. We were listening to Oprah interview Sean Acor on our drive up, mm -hmm. and I think he gave an example of this. They were, inter you know, they're scientists or whatever they're called. Researchers. Researchers. And they were interviewing this guy about happiness, and he's like, well, people used to wave walking around my neighborhood. Yes. And they don't wave anymore. And I'm so sad that my neighborhood doesn't wave anymore. And they kind of challenged him through research saying, why don't you start waving? At people and see what happens, and see what happens, and what you find out whenever you do this random act of kindness that it has this kind of geometric energy that it kind of builds on geometric itself. Geometric energy, yeah, geometric. It's like it's it increases tenfold. Geometric oh, is interesting. An, I think another way of saying it, but I'm probably saying it ten x ten xing it. <laughs> um, well, that's what's cool. Like there's this formula that I've been writing down lately: one plus one equals three. And and I think I may have shared this. Tell me if I have shared I don't know. this. When, let's say, I give a dollar to a guy on the street who is um, homeless, looking, homeless okay. looking for money, and I feel good about myself, that's one. And then the person who is receiving the dollar feels good. also feels good. But what they found out through research is just the observation of that act makes other people, makes feel, other good. people feel good. So one is me doing the act. The other one is the person receiving the dollar bill, and the extra is somebody observing it that wasn't really part of it to begin with. So one plus one equals three. Does that make sense? And the reason why the person observing it experiences it too is because of mirror neurons, because we all have in our brain the experience uh, or the ability when we watch something, it feels like we are experiencing it too, which is why we cry in movies, even though we don't know these people. And this right. is why when we see YouTube videos, someone coming home from, you know, a, warms our heart. Yeah. Warm from the military. It makes us cry. And because we are built with mirror neurons and mirror neurons we've only known about them for 20 years yeah. like we haven't had this awareness for that long but i feel like that information alone let's just talk about mirror neurons in our brain because so this is a neurological function it lets you know that we are built 
to be compassionate toward each other and take care of each other. Just the fact that we have mirror neurons means that the way we survive as a species is we take care of each other. So when people, you know, go down the route of, you know, survival of the fittest or, you know, the strongest wins or whatever, that, first of all, Darwin did mention survival of the fittest, but he actually spoke about love hundreds of times in that book. In that book, and we just pulled out survival of the fittest and focused on that. Kind of like how we focused on uh, Bill Buckner's one. Correct. Yeah. Exact same great thread running through, like how we focus on one thing versus the amount of times he mentioned love and connection and compassion and taking care of each other. So that we are built for this, which is why doing negative things to people doesn't feel good, which is why we struggle when we're in an argument with someone, which is why um, human beings can every day, right this moment, all of us drive down the road in our cars and we don't purposefully run into each other because we are thoughtful about each other. Doesn't it work the other way? And I remember this from the I Am documentary. Uh-huh. Is that what it was called? I Am? Uh-huh. Um, they showed a few clips of like, you know, there are these video clips of somebody getting hurt uh-huh. and you kind of feel it in your heart. Even though you're sitting on your couch in your in your living room watching TV, you're completely safe. Yet when you're wit- when you're observing it, something bad, you feel bad too. Well, so of it's, course, that's so- what a horror movie is or that's what it – when you are watching something right. or think about when you're with your child and they're going to get a shot. Mm-hmm. Or when we were with JC and she'd broken her arm and they're like, okay, we're going to yank her arm up. Yeah. And it's like, ugh, yeah. we experience what we see. Right. And the only reason I brought that up is because it's, we're speaking about it as if it's just the positive, but it's also could yeah. be the negative as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's mirror neurons are not for what emotion. Yeah. They, we experience whatever anybody is experiencing in front of us, which is why, you know, we talked about in our last show, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, but about the turning away. We were talking about Pink Floyd. Why? do we turn away from people in pain? Because we don't want to feel it. Yeah. But the but what we're missing is then the whole purpose of really looking is then we realize our humanity. We don't have to sit in it and suffer, which is something we, we might get to today. Suffering is a totally different thing. You don't sit in, like the reason that I said, I'm going to watch the news less this year or read the news. I keep saying watch and I don't watch it. The reason I'm going to read less headlines is because a lot of times I read headlines and they just make me feel bad and I can't take action anyway. So I will stay current with what's going on, relatively speaking, but I'm going to stop reading all the horrible things that make me feel horrible because that is um, that is taking away from my ability to be good in the world. Right. Okay, so you kind of have to play this game of where am I effective and where am I depleting my energy? Right. Um, it will not keep, I'm not going to put my head in the sand and stop participating in doing good things. I'm going to, I hope I have now more energy to give more. You know, I'm looking at this as an opportunity. So there's that and... That's all because I just don't want to go down that other path because that'll be another hour. Our uh, partner this week is Care.com. And what is Care.com? It's the world's largest digital marketplace for finding and managing family care. Whether you need child care while you're at work or want to line up a date night sitter, Care.com is there for you. Um, So you can join free as a basic member and start searching for great local caregivers. Um, and once you upgrade to premium membership, you can reach out to them, schedule interviews, and even book and pay for care online through the app. Uh, we've used their services. The website's easy to navigate, and we found many sitters right in our zip code. So is, care.com is a great tool if you need a care at a minute's notice. So here's the deal. 
Um, if you go to care.com slash zen, you'll get 30% off your premium membership. So um, really appreciative to care.com for partnering with us on the podcast and go check them out. So what do you got for me? All right. So um, so these are just a few thoughts for 2018. So I'm reading this really great book that we're going to – I'm only about – I'm halfway through it. Um, it's called Soulful Simplicity, How Living with Less Can Lead to So Much More by Courtney Carver. So I listened to uh, Courtney Carver on – um, the Good Life Project with Jonathan Fields uh, last year. Um, I can't remember. I think it was in December. And she is somebody who kind of had a you know crazy, stressful life, um, was in debt, had gone through a divorce, um, was working a lot, not sleeping a lot, um, you know, not eating well. Can anyone relate? You know, where you're just kind of going through the motions of life. And unfortunately, at one point, she was um, she felt sick. Um, all the, had to go through all this testing, and eventually, they realized she had MS. So this is the author. Uh huh. Okay. And so she then um, started the, the the practice of healing herself, uh, taking care of herself. MS is not something that necessarily goes away, like once you have the diagnosis, but you can figure out a way to live a, a really healthy life and slow down that yeah. process and not have relapses and et cetera. Um, and so she, you know, went through the first year of basically figuring out, you know, going through the more pharmaceutical medical version um, and then you know, figured out what was working for her and let some things go and brought some things in. But just to kind of, to summarize it, she figured out that living simply was what needed to happen to, for her to stay healthy. Mm. And that a lot of, and that meant many things that meant not being in debt, that meant getting sleep, that meant, um, you know, not having a totally cluttered closet. And and I loved her interview because I'm not one who, I think Todd and I would both agree, Todd and I don't latch onto words and say, I am this, mm -hmm. you know, you know, she's not like, I'm a minimalist, be a minimalist like me, but she follows minimalist kinds of patterns, but also is open to other things too. Right. And is not hard on herself for when that minimalism doesn't work for her. I think what's unfortunate sometimes is when we focus on something like, you know, I'll just go back in time, conscious parenting attachment parenting, all these words that have come up over, you know, the years of me doing this work. And people get so focused on that word that they they can't they feel like it's the only thing they can do. Right. And if they do anything else, then they aren't being who they are. And we focus on language rather than just be open to Or labels specifically. Labels. Yeah. And and we we make it we take it so far that there's no room to breathe. Yeah. So all of a sudden the attachment parenting, which is supposed to be helpful to our child and us, becomes this burden. Right. Or conscious parenting for that matter. You know, if I make this choice or I say this wrong, then I'm not a conscious parent. It's like drop the label mm -hmm. and just be a human. Yeah. And try to bring simplicity in your life. Try to be more conscious. Try to attach to your child instead of attaching to the label. So this is why I like her, because I really you know, people send me a lot of simplicity minimalist books and I'm kind of like, eh, only because I don't want to have to be that thing. Yeah. But she writes about it really beautifully. Um, we're going to talk about her book more when I finish it. But one of the um, things that she said about having a wake-up call because – her wake-up call was obviously being diagnosed with MS, um, but we've all had different wake-up calls. You know, our marriage is failing or our child is struggling or we get sick or we lose a job, we lose a house, whatever it may be. You don't have to wait for those kind of wake-up calls, you guys. Like, that's the first thing I want to say is that a lot of us are like, oh, you know, that wake-up call is going to come. It doesn't have to. Like, there, you can wake up now. 
Yeah. And what does wake up mean? Well, I'll give you the opposite. Instead of what does it mean? What does it mean when you're not awoke or you're not woken up? It means that this, you know, that your wake up call, if your life is on autopilot, if you never put yourself first, if you've become someone you don't recognize to please other people or chase some version of success that doesn't resonate with you, that's huge. If you're constantly self-medicating with food, shopping, alcohol, TV, your phone, social networking, I mean, I could go on and on, gaming, or if you are just worn down, beat up, stressed out, and completely depleted. That has become a norm in our society. I always- uh, And a badge of honor. Oh my gosh, total badge of honor. Productivity. You know, I'm so overwhelmed and someone, a friend will come in and say, oh, I'm so busy. And then we're like, oh my God, I'm busier. Like we have somehow- formulated this idea that being exhausted, depleted, and overwhelmed means we're better people. And what I would like you guys to consider is actually it just makes you a depleted and overwhelmed person. Yeah. There's nothing great about it. Nobody likes being around depleted people. Nobody likes being around stressed out people. And your version of what success means is not working. Right. And I can say that very, and, and someone will say, well, that's just the way life is. No, it's not. Right, we decide. That's the way your life has become. And you always have choices to wake up. And you don't have to wait until you know the, wor- the world throws a brick on your head. Yeah. You can actually change right now because you know it's the right thing for you. And so I just wanted to share that. And that, it's from Courtney's book. Obviously, she just wrote this whole section on it. So I really wanted to share that. And we'll talk more about some of her ideas and practical. You'll like it, Todd. Can you bullet point things. the list of um, not not uh, evidence of, of people who may be asleep at the wheel or unconscious? And we all experience this, but can you say it one more time? Oh, these? Yeah. these wake yeah. up? Okay. So these are the things that you have to consider if you maybe are sleeping through your life. If you If your life is on autopilot, Okay, so you know what that means, Todd, right? Where you're just waking up and going through the motions and you don't know what day it is. And you're just like, you don't feel like you're connecting to anybody and you're just kind of waking up and doing what you think you have to do. Yeah. Autopilot. If you never put yourself first, and basically that means where you are completely not taking care of yourself. Don't don't put this, don't throw self-care all over this one. This is not about I'm going to go to, you know, a spa for the weekend. This is about are you taking care of yourself? Or are you putting yourself first is I need to go do yoga or exercise or go for a run or go to my my annual checkup with my doctor because that's how I stay healthy because I can't do things for other people unless I'm doing that. Right. If you've become someone you don't recognize to please other people or to chase some version of success that doesn't resonate with so you. So that's inauthenticity. That's what that means to me. Exactly. Inauthenticity and sometimes, and this is the class we're doing on Monday and maybe we'll talk about it a little here, is... We have been kind of sold a bill of goods about what success means. And sometimes you need someone, if it be a teacher or a friend or maybe yourself, to remind you what does success really mean? Because I'm chasing this thing that people tell me is success, Mm -hmm. but it sure as hell doesn't feel like success. So maybe I should change what I believe success to be. Got it. Um, And then the next one, if you are constantly self-medicating with food, shopping, alcohol, TV, phones, social networking, and other distractions. So I think in each bullet point, there's a word that is so important, like in that one, constantly. Like that's the most important word. I would say self-medicating is the most important. I I know, but for me, it's like we all self-medicate in a certain way. You know, we all are doing that. We all have a glass of wine. We all... 
binge on TV, but the term that's most important to me okay. in the reading of that is constantly. Right. And Because and, I don't want somebody to listen to that and beat themselves up for doing certain things. Correct. But self-medicating is what protects us because I have a glass of wine and my intention is not to self-medicate with it. Right. I'm eating lunch, but I'm not self-medicating with my lunch. So it's not that those things by definition, I get what you're saying. You're saying constantly means you're using it. That's the only reason you're using it. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have a glass of wine because you're like, oh, this will go good with dinner. Right. You have it because you're like, I got to get lost in it. Right. And so, so of course, like there is a, uh, a natural balance in here, all these things, food, well, shopping. Right. Uh, and the one before it's like, you never put yourself first. Like there's times when you're not going to be able to put yourself first. You know what I mean? So like there's this gray area in each one. Right. And I think we've completely traded roles in this situation because, of course, like you, you know, you never put yourself first. If you are making excuses to why you're not going to the dentist because you're like, there's no time because I got to take my kids to school and because I've got to, you know, do this and I've got to make sure I do this and I got to do this. And you have a, a, a completely abscessed tooth. Right. You're not putting yourself first. Right. And putting yourself first is not. And, and again, that's the. You can't do a good job at your job or with your children unless your tooth is not infected. Right. So it's like getting down to the, like, you know, and I I think what you're trying to do is make sure that people aren't like, well, so I need to, you know, only think about me. Of course not. Right. And I think if, for those of you who listen to the show, you know what that means. You know, it's the balance. It's the pendulum. It's not one side or the other. It's that gray. There's some days you don't. You can't. You, you have to make a dentist appointment and say, I'm going on Wednesday, but I can't go today. Right. But at least you made the appointment. What's the last one? Or did we if get If you one? are worn down, beat up, stressed out, and completely depleted. Yeah. It's funny. Like, there's we're, two, we're 10 days into a vacation, so I feel kind of energized. Uh-huh. Um, but, man, I feel depleted a lot. Well, and that is depletion is a signal. Right. And you will feel depleted again. And even if you figure out all these things in 10 years or two years or a week, you might feel depleted again. It's like an emotion. Mm-hmm. It's a signal from your body to say too much. But a lot of times we jump over that feeling and right. we say, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing because it's the right thing for me well, to do. Well, don't you think it's possible that a lot of people who are depleted don't even know they're depleted because they keep going? Because it's their normal. Right. Like I say to my college students, beginning of every semester, raise your hand if you're stressed. How many people do you think raise their hand? All of them. Everybody. And they all look around and they laugh. They're like, oh, we're all so stressed. I'm like, guys, not normal. Not normal. Do you have a test and are you thinking about it? Do you need to study? Yeah. Right. But having constant stress hormones run through your body, you are depleting your health. You are caught, you know, I have kids in my class who, you know, who I can totally relate to who have migraines, who, you know, have stomach issues, who are constantly, their immune system is depleted. Um, and their stress plays a role in that mm-hmm. and they don't see the connection and nobody gives them the connection and they or maybe they know the connection they don't want to look at the connection well and then you were preparing for you and i are speaking on thursday to a group of people and what what i'm hoping to do and i'm kind of figuring it out as we talk about it on this podcast but uh, kind of change your relationship with stress too yes because stress isn't necessarily an all bad thing no it's not but th- we you know stressed out beat up worn down and depleted That's, is not the good kind of yeah, stress that is yeah. out of balance stress um but there are also benefits to having stress well stress like like we were just saying is a signal mm-hmm. so stress can also tell you what's important mm-hmm. to you 
Like, right. do you guys ever go through a day and there's a, like one or two things you're super worried about, but there's all sorts of things going on, but there's only one or two things that you're like, I, this really stresses me out. Right. Why? Because you care. Right. So it's a it's a signal of what well, you care about. And what it does to your body, like it increases your heart rate. And there's sometimes when you need your heart rate to increase in order to take care of whatever it is you're trying to take care of. So yeah. the, once again, this is like a walking contradiction because there's parts of stress that are you know, signs that you got to change something in your life. And there's other times when stress is actually not such a bad thing. So, well, and the, I think, you know, because you're referring to the research about if you talk about stress in a more positive way, it doesn't affect you right. as negatively. Right. And that is true. Right. Um, that if you look at stress as a signal, then you utilize it. Right. But you don't say, here's the, you know, because you said it's a contradiction, but I would use paradox again mm-hmm. because it's not contradicting. They're just both true. Right. So it's like if you are um, feeling stress, you can say, wow, this must be important to me. Wow, um, this is, you know, like you said, I'm so glad I have the extra energy to get this done. But if you are constantly in that state, then you get sick. Right. Because our bodies are not meant like, you know, why did we have stress um, like Todd said, to have adrenaline run through your body so you can actually run or you can take care of something or you can wake up when you need to. Like, have you ever, like, sometimes, um, you know, when you're like asleep as a parent and a child wakes you up and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm asleep. And then they're like, I'm throwing up. And you're like, up. Yeah, here we go. You know, like you wake up immediately. That's the capability our body and brain has that stress can do for us. Right. But if we are constantly there, yeah. That's horrible. So, you know, you're right, Todd. All of these have a paradoxical feel to them. But I think the the thing that I know for sure is that people know when their life's not working. Mm-hmm. And they there are things we do to block that out and to say, but that's what everybody else is doing. Right. Everybody's stressed. It's normal. It's normal. And I I want to be the voice for... Of course I feel stressed and I do get migraines and I it's not about, oh, I've taken care of these things. This is when I get a headache, I know what to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to say, well, I just this just happens. Or um, if I really am feeling overwhelmed about something, I figure out why I'm still doing it yeah. or how I can decrease it instead of just doing the same thing. Right. So that's the that's the subtle shift. Sure. And why, you know, why did Courtney write this book? Because she got really sick. And do we have to wait until that mm-hmm. to then change our life? Right. Or can we say, you know what, I'm getting the, you know, as Oprah would always say, she'd say first it's a knock, you know, it's a whisper, then it's a knock, and then all of a sudden it's a little more like it's a pinch, and then one day there's a brick on your head and everything yeah. comes down. So why didn't you listen to the whisper? Right. And that is a work in progress for all of us. Yeah. Because in one area, we heard the whisper, and then in another area, took a brick. Well, and I feel we've shared this on the podcast, but you know, I think you and I having not a perfect marriage, but a pretty darn healthy marriage, and uh, the term that we've used, I don't know where we got it from, is many meltdowns. It's like when something's not working, we address it as, as close to when it's happening as we possibly can. Yes. And that is kind of another kind of representation of how, you know, address things as they come along. Don't wait for you know, something bad to happen in a relationship before you address it. In, you know, an example I'll give is we were listening to uh, Tony Robbins podcast on the way home and he was doing his whole, um, it wasn't actually a podcast. It was him speaking somewhere. Right. He spoke at Dreamforce. And at the end he talked about, okay, everybody come up with something that you know you need to address that you haven't addressed. Mm-hmm. And I don't have one. Mm. And that doesn't, and let me explain to you guys what that means. I don't mean I don't have crap happen to me. 
or that I don't get angry at someone or that, you know, I get frustrated about something that happens. I do Mm -hmm. like all of those things happen. But what happens is I can, and maybe this is a gift. I used to think it was a curse. I can't sit with it. So I have to say something to someone. I have to solve it. I have to resolve it. I have to end it because the pain in my body is too much. So if someone makes me upset, I will tell them. Or if Todd is driving me crazy, I say, you're driving me crazy. And and that's the pain right there is the confronting it. Mm -hmm. So when he said, okay, we all know what we need to do. Who has something they need to take care of? It's, I have the same issues everyone in that room has, but I'm, they're, they're not sitting around. Right. It's not lingering. It's not lingering. For weeks or months or years. Exactly. Right. I hear you. And, and again, I, try, I, I dug deep and I was like, well, I could go back to – I mean, when he said that, I'm like, I still want to do this exercise. So I dug back you you know, in time. Yeah. yeah. But there's nothing current. Yeah. There's nothing on right now this day where I'm like, oh, that person, I never spoke up about that. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always more we can do. Sure. Um, but on the you know basic level. So is this a good opportunity for you to transition to the art of fulfillment and the science of achievement? Yeah. Or no? Yeah. How much time do we have? Uh, we're 39 minutes in. Okay. So uh, again, I'm, Tony Robbins has come up a lot so far in this um, podcast because we listen to him a lot on the way home um, and other podcasts as well. That sure. before I get into this, we listen to. Oh yeah, Dirty John. Dirty John. <laughs> Dirty John. <laughs> Uh, it's kind of like a serial or an S-Town, and it had a slow start, but it came back pretty strong. So if anybody's on a long road trip looking for um, a good podcast to listen to, Dirty John is pretty interesting. A story version, yeah. you know, like where every one... Nonfiction. Um, where, yes, nonfiction, and we were like, wow, we didn't know where that was going. At first, like Todd said, we were bored, and then I'm like, oh, boy. So Dirty John, and then we listened to, I listened to one called Criminal that I thought was pretty interesting. Not all of them. Some of them scared me and they didn't take me to the good places. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, something that is, as much as I don't like reading certain headlines and I don't watch the news, I am intrigued by the mind. And so I'm intrigued by law and order and people's like sociolo- so, uh, psychopathic, like what happens to people? That's what I'm interested in. Yeah. How do so, they get there? So I like criminal kind of things. And then Until that you was, start getting creeped out. And then I stop. That's the thing is I know my limit. It's like I know – I'm like, oh, this is interesting. Like we listen to some paranormal ones. And yeah. I was like, okay, this is so interesting. But as soon as it gets to like real life, this could happen to you. I'm yeah. like, okay, out. Um, so anyway, we listen to a lot of podcasts. Those are two of them. But we were listening to this uh, Tony Robbins thing and he said these things. I don't even think he said them together. But as Todd and I were listening, we pulled this out and we realized that this is like the sweet spot for us in our work. And and maybe you guys can relate to this. Um, the two things that two things that can bring happiness to us or that we now know through just our own experience and research bring happiness to people are number one, the science of achievement, understanding how to achieve and understanding and achievement can mean many different things. Growth. Mm-hmm. Um, it can mean, you know, discoveries about ourselves. It can mean, um, you know, overcoming a big obstacle like that, gr- that kind of climbing the ladder. It could be thing. very practical. Like you hit your sales number or you make yes. a certain amount of money or you have a certain house that you want to buy. Like it could be very, um, no, I don't want to say artificial, but very practical. Like you right. said, certain our everyday life, right? Yeah. yeah, like you have things. You you know, you dropped twenty pounds. Exactly. Whatever achievement, right? Science of achievement. And then he also talked about um, happiness. Also comes from the art of fulfillment, which even those words just 
to me, is where a majority of my happiness comes from. Art of fulfillment is figuring out what makes you feel fulfilled and then do that. <laughs> you know, instead of this makes me feel fulfilled, I feel guilty about it or I don't have time for it or it's not important. You can find joy through very simple things. And when you know what those things are and you do, and let me give you examples that come to my mind. Number one, I love heaters. Todd makes me turn off the heater because it <laughs> makes a sound, but I love warm. I love fireplaces. I love going to bed with a blanket laid beneath me and on top of me. I love warm gloves. I love hats. I love warm. And that makes me very happy. That's an art of fulfillment thing to me. That has nothing to do with achievement. Right. It has nothing to do with what anyone else thinks. I love certain foods. I love smoothies. I love yoga. I love So I do it. Instead of saying I don't have time for it, you, or tell somebody that you're going to do it. Yeah. And, and, tell, and tell, you know, like, I love people who will tell me, oh, I love yoga. I love yoga. It's the best. And and I'll be like, yeah, where do you go? Oh, I, I haven't been for three months, but I just love it. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, and that's okay. It's not, I'm not judging you and saying you're a bad person, but you're not loving yoga. You yeah. are talking about yoga. Loving yoga. Yeah. You're talking about loving it, but you're not loving it. <laughs> right. Well, and then one quick thing is when Tony gave his lead at this conference, the whole idea, because he brought up Robin Williams, who was oh, yeah. an expert at the science of achievement. He won Academy Awards. He had a wonderful family. He did Mork and Mindy. He's one of the best stand-up comedians of all time. But he lived a life of, you know, escaping through alcohol and drugs and things like that. And then he ended up committing suicide. So um, I think Tony's point is the science of achievement is great, but it doesn't last. You need the art of fulfillment too. Yeah. Because you can enjoy both. And here's where what created the big conversation for Todd and I is I am um, 75, 80% art of fulfillment. And then I am 25% or 30% science of achievement. Because yeah. I actually do have ambition. Sure. Like I wake up and have ideas and thoughts and visualizations. And I love our work yeah. that we do. And it, it makes me excited. Yeah. So I do have ambition and I have the science of achievement, but I am more motivated by art of fulfillment. And you are the opposite, you said. Yeah. And, and my goal now, it's funny, I'm talking about achievement in the terms of more fulfillment. I hope to flip flop that mm -hmm. because I think achievement is a moving target. The minute that you get that house or you get that salary, you get that paycheck or you lose those, lose those 10 pounds or whatever, then you want to lose five more pounds right. or you want to make a little more money or right. you want to buy a bigger house or a bigger boat or even like giving more money away to charity. Like if, if it's all about achieving a certain uh, measurable success, it's going to keep moving. And I think that's called ego. Mm -hmm. Whereas fulfillment, what you're talking about is practicing yoga. You know, we talk about breathing. We talk about drinking water. We talk about having a house, a roof over our head. That's fulfilling. That Gratitude. lasts. Gratitude. Gratitude. Like last night, again, you guys, you know, who are in Chicago know this. It is so cold here. I mean, it is like the kind of thing where you go outside and you like can't breathe. And I got into bed last night. Skylar and I laid down uh, in bed to, she was reading, I was reading. And she like got on the covers and we looked at each other and I was like, we are so blessed to be warm. Yeah. Like the fact that we can be in this warm bed, I don't take that for granted. No. Like I do, and I literally don't take that for granted because I see people on the street, um, it, children, adults, veterans, and they don't have anywhere to go. And that's not right. Yeah. And, and I don't lay in bed and 
work myself up to a place where I can't be an effective person about it, but I have great gratitude for the fact that I am in a warm bed. And that that's not lost on me. And then that feeling goes through you and it's can be as strong as the science of achievement. Yeah. You know, like you can actually gratitude makes you feel so good and so grateful and thankful that that's what you go to sleep with yeah. rather than going to sleep with worry and what if this doesn't work out because none of it's not that achievement isn't important because we as much as I believe in the art of fulfillment and I don't and I'm a little slower paced than Tati I love I love uh working towards something sure I love the idea of oh my gosh what could happen if we do this I love working on the conference we love doing the show so that to me is you know, that's the grow or die thing. Mm. You either keep learning and growing or you just get bored. Mm. Happiness equals progress. Yes. If you're moving towards, and you know, we're saying the same thing using different language, a growth mindset. Growth mindset. Yeah. All that, that like that is lasting contentment. Yep. And growth mindset works for the science of achievement and for the art of fulfillment because the growth mindset is even if something doesn't go our way, it's not well. Then that's the way it's going to be, which is a, a set mindset, you yeah. know. St- or what's the what is Carol Dweck fi- fixed? A fixed mindset is this is just the way it is. I can't do any better. Mm-hmm. Growth mindset with the art of fulfillment is like you know Todd and I got home from Florida, and we came in, and right away someone came to our door and said, "We're going to shut off your water. A water main broke." Yeah. So I was kind of laughing to myself, like, "Okay, we've been gone seven days, and now we just walked in the door, and our water doesn't work." And we were not clean people, mm-hmm. you know. We'd been in a car. I had loads of laundry. So at first, I was like, "Oh my god," and I was so frustrated. And then I, you know, the growth mindset part of that was, I was like, "You know what? There are options here. First of all, my electricity is not out. Thank God." Yeah. Second of all, I'm going to go to the grocery store and buy a bunch of water. And then we're fine. Yeah. You know, like a lot of times it's just we get so caught up and this didn't go my way. And then the crazy thing is, is Skylar and I, um, you know, Todd went out and asked him how long and they said at least three more hours. And we were like, okay, that's not a big deal. You know, we'll get through it. And we accepted it. We were kind of like, okay, you know, we accepted it. And as soon as we accepted it, they were done. It came back on. It came back on. It's just funny how the universe works. Um. Do you have anything else regarding uh, the art and the science? We are 48 minutes okay. in. So. I think, I mean, I think we could go back to these issues. You know, we'll, we might use different language sure. than this. But I think this balance is the life wake-up call. Yeah. You know, going back to your wake-up call is finding your joy of achievement, which we all have, and our ambition, and finding our, you know, what fulfills us and then whatever our balance is. Like I have girlfriends who their balance is like 95% art of fulfillment and 5% ambition and that's okay and vice versa. Like you are more science of achievement and I don't know if that's a bad thing. I think you're just more motivated. I don't think either one is bad. I do think that achievement has a short-term element to it and fulfillment by definition, is more of a long term. Yeah. Well, and maybe the you are a 50-50 guy, just like you are with... I would love to say I'm a 50-50 guy, but I'm not. But, you know, Gretchen Rubin's tendencies, her four tendencies, the fact that you are the um, upholder, you kind of, you walk the line between the two. Um, And again, you're right. You may not be directly 50-50, but... I think the older I get, the more... And I think as age, you know, like in your 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s, you want to conquer the world. And then all of a sudden you realize in your 60s, mm-hmm. 70s, and 80s, you soften up like, what was I chasing this whole time? Right. 
and you know we've done podcasts about hospice nurses and and they've interviewed these people that are on their deathbeds and all they say the same thing none of what i used to worry about mattered. matters <laughs> it's about relationship with self and others connection and that's it that's right and noticing the world so we're going to soften up i'm going to soften up when i am in my 60s so what i challenge myself with is why am i going to wait why don't I soften up now? Mm-hmm. And there's times when I do a good job of that. There's times when I don't. And that's Courtney Carver's book. Yeah. You know, she's saying, I was diagnosed with MS and I that was my wake up call. But what if your wake up call was just reading my book? Yeah. What if your wake up call was listening to this podcast? What if your wake up call didn't have to be so dramatic or and life changing? Or laying in a hospice bed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we have these choices, and and that's the beauty is noticing that. Like whenever your life gets challenging in a certain area, of course you have to deal with it. You don't run away from it, but at the same time, you recognize what is working. You don't put our, – our brain will naturally, because of stress hormones, put all its attention on that thing we need to deal with, but you can get out of your head and into your heart and say, I am also going to notice – all these other things that are working. And that what is what will give you the energy to deal with what's not. Well, what Tony said in this lead that we listened to is that this 2 million year old brain of ours is built to make us survive. It's Correct. not built to make us happy or content. Mm-hmm. We need to use the work of the heart yes. to do that. And how do you use the work of the heart? The breathe, you know, let go of literally one of the best... Uh, tools we got from Michael Singer's book, The Untethered Soul, is drop your thinking. You know, when you're like thinking about something and you're going to all these crazy places of what if this happens and what if this happens, here is the most crazy concept. Just drop it. Mm. Just say, I'm not going to think about it anymore. And a lot of you will say, but I've got to worry about it. I've got to figure it out in my brain. No, you don't. You're not doing anything. You're just worrying. And worrying pretends to be necessary. Eckhart Tolle. Don't... uh... And don't forget to smile and laugh. And I'm going to play a clip that we may have played on the podcast before that we watched yesterday. Okay. It's an old uh, Saturday Night Live clip with um, Kylo Ren. (laughs) Did you see the text I sent back? I did. That was funny. (laughs) So I'm going to play 30 seconds. So what this is, it's a Saturday Night Live clip. And who's the guy that plays Kylo Ren? Uh, Adam Driver. Adam Driver. And it's like an, it's a spoof on Undercover Boss. Uh-huh. And he goes in and plays some like whatever engineer. So he is Kylo Ren, but he goes incognito as this kind of random because labor. Because he wants guy. to learn about what everybody thinks about Kylo Ren as a boss. Exactly. So <laughs> here we go. I'm a radar technician. You guys like working here? You know, work is work. Yeah, Totally. What do you guys think of Kylo Ren? Do you guys believe when he says that he's going to finish what Darth Vader started? What exactly has he started? You know, I will say this for Kylo. I think he gets a bad rap. What? Yeah. He's trying to accomplish something that's never been done in the history of the galaxy. You know? Ridiculous. Rule everything? That's impressive. I I admire the guy. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Okay, okay. It's real easy. All you got to do is rewire the calcinate. So Kylo Ren is on his knees trying to fix this thing that he doesn't know how to fix. And Leslie Jones is like overseeing Her what boss, he's doing. His yeah. boss. So remove this. Does that look like the calcinator? What's wrong with you? Why, why so hard for you to understand? I don't know, but can you please stop yelling at me? You're starting to stress me out. I have a newfound respect for what my employees do. Okay, now can we rewire it, please? So I can go have my muffin. I haven't had my muffin yet, Matt. It's not as easy as I presumed. 
So it's a good four-minute clip. Wait, but you got to play the next part. Okay, so the next part <laughs> is a stormtrooper walking by as Matt, also known as Kylo Ren, is trying to rewire this thing. And he kicks his And wrench. he's got a bunch of tools. And he... <laughs> hey, you kicked my wrench! Jerk face. Jerk face. <laughs> what up, Matt? Oh, we watch. So that's the thing is that, you know... We didn't really choose this necessarily, but on this show, we didn't talk about all the things going on in the world and all the things that don't feel normal and all the work that needs to be done by all of us together. We, you know, we've done that on plenty of shows and we'll do that in 2018. But while we're doing that work, we also need to laugh. We also need to make sure that we release, you know, tears and and laughter are very similar. It's like a release of pent up energy. So we have a conference coming up, March yeah. 16th through the 18th. I'm going to play a... Wait, March 16th through I'm the sorry, 18th. March 2nd and 3rd. Yeah. Um, thank you for that clarification. And one of our speakers is Cheryl Strayed. And I just want to uh, play 60 seconds for those people who either like Cheryl Strayed or have never heard of Cheryl Strayed. Um, this is a clip of Oprah interviewing her. It's about 60 seconds. Let's talk about the sense of isolation and aloneness at one point, you speak about um, the, 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 the wilderness and everything in it and how you are a part of it. Uh -huh. It feels like you're a part of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it took some time to feel that way. Well, the first eight days of my hike, I didn't see another human being right, right there. I could have just gone home at the end of those eight days and had a profound experience. Just that experience. Just the first eight days. Just just eight days of not seeing Alone another. Have you ever not... gone eight days without seeing no, another human being? No, no, no. Yeah, no. I had neither. It was interesting. And completely silent. So completely you're not silent. like listening to earphones. You don't have no. an iPod because there weren't iPods. There weren't. In 1995, there were not. I didn't have any electronics with me. You didn't have a cell phone. I didn't, have, I didn't know what a cell phone was. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I don't. So just a quick clip. Good old Cheryl. Um, so if you're interested, go to zenparentingradio.com and click on events. Uh, and then we also have a partner, McGill First Aid Kit. They've actually partnered with us in the podcast. Um, they sell first aid kits, uh, the best of everything you need to handle at, at, at to handle an emergency at home. So go to McGillFirstAidKit.com. And they also have a welcome lice and knit removal kit. Yes, lice. Hey, um, they are a conference partner. They are a Correct. conference So they will partner. be at the conference. So if you are part of a business and are interested, send me an email and I'll get you more information. Um, so that is that. And then we have Team Zen. We have three new Team Zen people. Mm -hmm. And Team Zen is a subscription where we do two extra podcasts, but it's interactive um, on your phone or on your computer. You ask questions, we answer. And our three new Team Zen members are Heather, Tara, and Amanda. Thanks, so ladies. Thank you, ladies. Um, Team Zen is ramping up. Yes, it is. Like we have, and just technologically, like we have all these new things for Team Zen, and the cost hasn't changed or anything. No. So it's just really good. Um, and our last Team Zen talk we did, these are just a few of the bullet points we talked about. What to do when our kids are fighting. I'm sure we all can use some help with that. Staying connected to our kids regarding their sexuality or other big life issues. How a release button for a child can lead to bravery and autonomy. And what to do when our child seems unmotivated and how to reflect on the decision to hold a child back or not hold a child back. I think we're talking about grades. Today. Yeah, we were talking about um, a child being like on that, that border of 
do I keep them in fourth grade or move them to fifth grade or, what, you know, in preschool, do I move them to kindergarten or keep them in preschool? These are tough things, especially for September babies. Yes, absolutely. August babies. August and September babies, which you never had. We Oh, we yeah, had we did. Skylar, September But we didn't 26. have a choice because September in our uh, – September – or. Excuse me, September 1 is when you switch over. Do a lot of gray schools give you a choice? Well, you know, I think they give you a choice if your baby is born on August 30th. Mm-hmm. I think you do, and and I think you, you have a choice either way. I And I think you can always um, write to the school in either scenario and say, this is what I feel is best. Yeah. And especially if you have a child who is gifted and holding them back a year would cause them to be really bored. Um, And I'm using the word gifted, meaning that they've already progressed to such a certain place Um, or vice versa, where you have a child maybe with emotional maturity that's different. And And one entry from our good uh, newsletter, good old Brandon from Good, Good, Good 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 Newspaper. Um, Characters from Sesame Street are going to be used to help children displaced by the war in Syria. The Sesame Workshop and the International Rescue Committee have won a $100 million grant from the MacArthur Foundation. It's one of the biggest single philanthropic donations to an education project and will fund efforts to provide early years education and tackle the trauma of millions of young refugees created by the Syria's conflict. Come on. That's amazing. So... People who are making TV, who focus on puppets and bringing joy to kids are using that capability to help children who by no fault of their own, you know, just come into the world, help them deal with their trauma. I got a whole bunch of them. You want to listen to another one? Yeah, one Good more. news. The National Human Trafficking, Trafficking Hotline anticipates... And up to 20% increase in calls this year due in part to more widespread airport training and how to spot potential victims. Well, and I can totally attest to that because we have seen so much more, like when you go into a bathroom, and I see this more in the South, um, but you go into the bathroom and on the back of the door, it says, if you are a victim of trafficking, call this number right now. Like, or if you are noticing something at this rest stop, call this number right now, like it's awareness. Yeah. Awareness changes everything. Yeah. Um, I'm going to do one more. Okay. Because um, I can't stand it when people say kids aren't the same these days. Yeah. It turns out the millennials give more generously to charity. A new report from the UK says young adults are not only more generous when giving to charity, but are also savvier and more careful with their money when donating. Over half of millennials polled say they do a basic check of charity's record and financial transparency transparency before making a donation. That number fell to just 29% among seniors 75 and older. So anyways, millennials are giving more than we ever did when we were little kids. It doesn't surprise me at all. Me neither. So anyways, that's the deal. All right. So uh, happy new year, 2018, 2018, everybody. everybody. Um, We'll see you next Tuesday, I guess. Yeah. Sorry, this is a little late. Yeah, we had to just enjoy our vacation. Like we hope you all did too. So this will you'll be getting this a little later in the day. That's right. So keep trucking. Adios. Have a good year. Hi everyone. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you and we hope you'll join us next time. If you're a fan of Zen Parenting Radio, consider leaving us a review on iTunes. This helps people find us. You can also tell a friend about our show. Are you a force for good? If so, then get your tickets now for the Zen Parenting Conference, March 2nd and 3rd, 2018, with Cheryl Strade. 
Milk, and Mike Damish. When purchasing your tickets, consider becoming a Zen friend for our conference scholarship program. Let's make sure anyone who wants to attend can be there. Come see us. We look forward to having everyone in Chicago. Check out all of our live events at zenparentingradio.com. You can also find our virtual community of listeners that we call Team Zen. You can find books and podcasts that we recommend and so many other opportunities and resources. Go to zenparentingradio.com. If you want to know more about self-awareness or conscious parenting, pick up one of Kathy's award-winning books at zenparentingradio.com or at Amazon. And just so you know, I coach guys. It's called Coaching for Guys on the phone, Skype, or in person. Contact me to uncover the subtle shifts that will change your life. First appointment's free. If you're looking for a group of men to have authentic conversations with, check out my men's group, thetribemensgroup.com. If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link found on our homepage under Support Us. It doesn't cost anything to you, but we get a small commission from Amazon. And I want to give special thanks to two of our founding partners, Tree of Life Chiropractic Care, and they can be found at chirotree.com, and Avid, painting and remodeling throughout Chicagoland area, and that's avidco.net. They've been with us since the beginning. And to all of you, thanks for your love and support. Keep on trucking. Thank you.